are open for Barker's Back Lake Bits. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. A reminder that uh, if you like the show, you can subscribe to the Blair and Barker. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, don't say subscribe next time. wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc. Et if you Please don't believe it, they're the not going to believe it. Clean that up. The Blue, the Blue Jays have today off before they start a three-game series at Fenway Park against the uh, Boston Red Sox. Jays taking three of four from the New York Yankees uh, this weekend. And uh, the series was notable not just obviously because it's Jays and Yankees because the Jays had a good series, but also because on Thursday our next guest uh, called his last major league baseball game. Uh, Jim Cott is a former uh, pitcher. He's a Hall of Famer, and I'm still going to call him MLB TV announcer. <laughs> and uh, Jim Cott joins us on, on Blair and Barker. Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. First of all, uh, congrats on the Hall of Fame. We haven't had you on since then, haven't had a chance. Really, really richly deserved. And, uh, man, I, I, I would say congratulations on your career, but Barker tells me it's like 65 years or something like yeah. that. So I don't I can't even call that a career. <laughs> I can't even call That's that a, a career. That's a lifetime. That's a lifetime. That is my friend. That is a lifetime achievement award. Unbelievable. If there, there ever is one. Thanks so much for joining us, by the way. Oh, you're quite welcome. And, uh, thank you very much for the uh, compliments here. Yeah, it's been a, as I said, it's uh, been a pretty good 64, 65-year vacation. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that's, a good way, that's a good way to look at it, even though I don't believe it entirely because I know how much work you put into your prep for, for broadcasting. And I look at all the innings you pitched. Barker and I were talking about the number of starts you made. So I got to think it wasn't a vacation completely. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to uh, go with you. Well, I think, uh, you know, I hear athletes say I worked hard. I... Uh, I worked at it, but I never considered uh, working at my pitching or working at my broadcasting as hard. I just considered it a necessary, uh, you know, something necessary that you had to do to prepare. But Mm -hmm. uh, it was never. I remember when I was thinking about retiring uh, back when I had 50 years in the game and my oldest sister, who has since passed away, I had told her, uh, I think I'm going to retire this year. And she said, what are you going to retire from? You've never worked a day in your life. <laughs> That's awesome. Jim, what are you going to do now? Like, uh, you know, when I, when I, I don't guess I retired. I just sort of quit and walked away. And, and I, I guess for a little while it was hard for me to watch baseball. Are you one, you think you're going to be one of those people? Or are you still going to watch and critique and pay attention? All those things. 
No, I think I'll follow it. And I, I never used the word retire. I, I really, uh, I wanted to just walk away after a game I did about a month ago. Uh, you know, science has taken over art so much, and I I don't relate to it. I don't want to relate to it. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't like what's invaded the game, and I'm not going to change it. And so I thought it's time for a younger, more recently retired player who maybe has this analytics impact his career in a positive way, can explain the good of it, how it works, but uh, I can't do that. So I just thought it's, you know, it's time to step away. I'm sure I'll, I'll find something else to do. It's not like I was doing a hundred games a year. I was only doing like a dozen games and then some for the twins. So uh, my lifestyle will, will pretty much, you know, stay the same and I will, I will follow the game. Uh, you know, the game has given me so much. And as I got a nice text from Paul O'Neill yesterday, after I texted him about uh, the Yankees retired his number and uh, how honored I was to cover that Yankee team during the 90s, and he texted back, he said, boy, the game has really given us a lot, hasn't it? And I feel that way too. So I will always follow it, follow the box score, see how guys are doing. I can't watch it anymore, and I don't like the way it's being operated. Uh, I wanted to ask you in particular about Jose Barrios. Uh, what you know, I know, as you said, you've done some you've done some work for the Twins as well. Um, Jose Barrios has been a guy that you know he's had the sort of dramatic home and road split this year. We've we've kind of been waiting for him to 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 look a little bit more like the guy that that he was when he was with Minnesota. He did have he has had spurs this year where he's put four or five good starts together. We know he made some mechanical adjustments against the Yankees. What do you what are you seeing from Jose Barrios, Jim? And and you know what what would tell you that that he's he's kind of righted the ship here a little bit? Well, the game I did Thursday, uh, you know, was the Jose Barrios I knew in New York in uh, Minnesota, and I had a nice talk with Pete Walker. I had met a couple of your uh, relief pitchers in the dugout. We were talking baseball, Zach Pop and Anthony Bass, and. Uh, so I said to Pete, just tell me if I'm right or wrong. I looked at the stats, and Barrios has thrown his fastball a higher percentage of the time than he has in, in past years. And uh, But they're hitting it a lot. And then his curveball, they don't hit very often. So what's deceiving about the statistics is you go back to pitching philosophy. What Jose was doing, Okay, like say I'm pitching to Mickey Mantle, and they said, you know, Mantle's a fastball hitter. Well, the tendency is you throw him curveball, well, it's ball one, you throw him another curveball, two. Well, now you're in a corner, you have to throw him a fastball. So I said to Pete, is that the case with Barrios? And he said, you're spot on. So I said, what Jose has to do, throw his fastball with conviction early in the count, get ahead of hitters, and then you make your curveball work for you. You expand the zone, and they begin to chase it. And Thursday night, he looked like that type of pitcher. So I hope he continues to do that. Jim, is there, you know, he's made a lot of mechanical adjustments when it comes to hand movement. And, you know, he's trying to repeat his delivery over and over again. You, you just mentioned how hard it is to throw too many breaking balls or throw too many fastballs and be able to keep those in the strike zone. Is it hard to maintain a big adjustment? I'm assuming that is a big adjustment. You're used to doing something. It's not working. 
I'm going to change it where, you know, you do a lot of hand movement through your windup. Now it's just in one spot until you break the ball from your glove. Is that hard to maintain, especially a veteran guy? Veteran guy, you've been there and done it before. It's worked for a long time. Is that hard to maintain? Well, I, I don't think so, but we kept it simpler. You know, I if I mentioned two young players today, and I've never had a, a young pitcher really ask me how I conditioned my arm or different things that I did, they usually go, you know, to the video or to a coach. And in fairness to the coaches, they really haven't had, a lot of them haven't had much big league experience. But I learned from, or any big league experience, I learned from Warren Spahn how to condition my arm. We'd go to the outfield. And I would pick up a ball off the ground like I was an infielder, take a hop step and one hop it into second base from, say, about 50 feet. Well, that is the natural pitching motion, and that's where you find your arm slot. When you watch an infielder field the ball, hop, step, and throw, he doesn't think about mechanics. His arm just gets up in the throwing position, and he throws it. And that's what I always tried to do as a pitcher. And I was very fortunate that I, I got that lesson from Warren Spahn. And any time I had some mechanical issues, uh, I always fielded a lot of ground balls between starts anyway. That's a great exercise. I would field the ball, hop, step, and jump like I was a third baseman, hop, step, and throw rather. And that's kind of what helped me get keep my rhythm of, uh, uh, you know, of my delivery and the consistent arm slot. Back to the breaking ball, fastball, the other thing that's hurting big league pitchers today, I think for the first time in history, pitchers are throwing more breaking balls than fastballs as a whole. Well, what happens when you do that is you lose command of your fastball because it's the old, if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't spend a lot of time, the fastball is the only pitch you can throw to all four quadrants of the strike zone. So that's your number one pitch, whether you throw it 88 or 98, that you should have command of. And today, with all the emphasis on breaking balls, I think that uh, pitchers and maybe even coaches have neglected the importance of command of the fastball. Uh, it's interesting hearing you talk about that routine because I know Alec Manoa, our, our press box at the Rogers centers in the, the left field corner. And I watched Alec Manoa warm up for his last start. And he did kind of the same thing. You, you said he starts fairly close to his catcher. He goes back and he just, he takes the ball and he just kind of throws it like he's playing catch. He kind of throws it like he's playing catch. And he also has a football that he uses. He'll do the same thing. He'll just kind of throw the football like, you know, normal, pick the football off the ground and you and I are playing catch. And then he keeps moving back and moving back. And it was funny because the last start he had at home, he moved so far back that he was kind of interfering with the other starting pitchers warm up. So they had to move down the line by the end of his warm up, He's throwing the ball from behind, like halfway between first and second in the outfield over to the bullpen. And then he starts walking in, but it was, it's just interesting hearing you say that because it was very natural, right? It would, it looked to me like just a dude playing catch with somebody. Well, you know, Tom Brady and back when Drew Brees was still playing quarterback, they went to Tom House in the offseason to check on their mechanics for throwing the football. And Tom House, for those that he's famous for catching Henry Aaron's uh, mm -hmm. 715th home run, I believe, but he, he's really a pitching guru. He's a, He's a mechanical genius, and he found out that the natural – if you throw a perfect spiral, that is the natural release for a baseball, and that's why you'll see some pitchers these days throwing a football. At first, I thought it was kind of hokey, but I've 
you know, come to believe in it in, in talking to Tom. And I think that's what Alex Manoa is doing. And yeah, that I think that's what's doing it is training your arm to repeat your delivery time after time without a lot of variation. You got to you got to be close to the Yankees. Should Yankees fans be worried about the Yankees? Uh, I think there's always an urgency about uh, Yankees and Yankee fans that uh, every game is Armageddon. Every game is game seven of the World Series, and that's what some players have uh, a tough time adjusting to. Uh, I wouldn't say they should be worried they have a comfortable lead. I just think with, you know, with Garrett Cole and the hitters there, hitting will come and go. Uh, I think they do have to uh, begin to look at trying to score runs with singles and bunts and hit and run, uh, you know, because just swinging for the fences and, and trying to hit home runs is not working. They've been shut out, I think, 11 times now this year, and they've had a lot of games where they've only scored two runs. So they they have to do something in changing that style. But if you were to say to any team in the American League East, who would you rather trade places with right now? They'd say the Yankees because they have a, a big lead, and uh, I think they'll keep that. I, I think that the big battle in the American League East, which you guys know as well or better than I do, is to, to watch those uh, four or five teams that are going to battle it out for the wild card spots. Having said that, what are you seeing from the Blue Jays? Well, great lineup, and it's uh, it's kind of the way of the game today. Whose bullpen is going to perform the best? You know, that's one thing with the Yankees. In addition to their not hitting is you know not scoring runs, is Clay Holmes is now out. Uh, Chapman is beginning to find it back to what he was years ago. But you know, your great starting pitchers like you have Gosman and Manoa. Uh, it's still you depend on that bullpen. I mean, uh, the Yankees cracked through against the bullpen yesterday, and that's where the game is decided. So I think it's the Zach Pop, the Anthony Bass, the Romano, who's been a great closer. Uh, if they can maintain and, and pitch in September under the pressure of trying to get the wild card, uh, the Blue Jays are going to score enough runs. And, uh, uh, you know, their infield defense has been good. Bo Bichette works very hard at becoming a better shortstop. So I, I certainly would like their chances of uh, of nailing down one of those spots. This is the last question, and, and your time is well appreciated, and we appreciate that. It's, uh, it's sort of a two-parter. What's the greatest game you've ever been a part of? That could be a player, that could be a broadcaster, and the greatest player you've ever seen up close. Well, there'd be two greatest games. One would be game seven of the 1982 World Series because when we won that game, the St. Louis Cardinals, I was able to put on a World Series ring. Mm-hmm. That's that's the best honor a big league player can get. And the, big, the most exciting game I saw as a broadcaster was when I was the sideline reporter for CBS in 1991 and I saw Jack Morris uh, outduel John Smoltz and the uh, Twins won that game one to nothing and extra innings, and uh, wow, that was some pitching performance by uh, by Jack Morris. And I think, uh, you know, up close and personal playing with Mike Schmidt in person, uh, you know, there's a couple players that would fit that profile. Schmidt, was a great all-around player. I think Nolan Arenado has taken over that crown right now. And then Ozzie Smith in person, the way he played mm-hmm. shortstop, uh, was like nothing I'd ever seen before. 
Uh, maybe from the booth, Ken Griffey Jr. was about as good an all-around player, uh, you know, as you could imagine. So I, I think those are just some names there that strike me as being the best I ever play, either played with or saw. Jim, listen, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Terrific insight again. Congratulations on a on a terrific career and um, and a and a, a well deserved rest, my friend. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you so much. All right, my pleasure, guys. Enjoyed it. Take, Take care. care. That's Jim Cott, Hall of Famer, uh, longtime announcer, and I, the, like, like we were saying before the show, just go and, go and check go crazy. and check his numbers. It's crazy picture. And he on the other thing too, he's a phenomenal athlete absolutely he was a phenomenal i athlete. think it's interesting how he talked about mechanics and arm slot it's not it's not always about movement it's about how you can get it to the slot over and over and over again and how he did that but going and taking ground balls how do you mm-hmm. do they don't think about mechanics and you know they just think about catching it and following your throw momentum what's a pitcher do yep get it to the slot and finish it don't fall off to one side you want to stay in your lanes all the time good pitchers talk about lanes a good defender talks about lanes in the infield all that moving towards your target interesting to see how he Arm strength, that would keep that up. Yeah. And getting to the slot over and over and over again. That's pretty cool. And I, I was like, I, I didn't want to hog the thing, but I talked about Alec Manoa because it was, I just happened to, I just happened to be paying particular attention to Alec Manoa that particular day. And, and if, 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 if you got a chance, if you're a, a fan or you've got, you're taking a, your, your child out to a game, if it's an Alec Manoa start, he warms up in the left field corner near the Jays bullpen, get there early and he starts warming up, I don't know, about, 15 minutes, 20 minutes before the national anthem goes. So around 6.30, I guess, and then he goes in the bullpen, maybe a little earlier. But just go out there, and if you get a chance, watch his routine. It's very, you know, he does a lot of the stretching. He's got a lot of the the band work. He does it kind of on his own in the bullpen. Then he goes out in the field with uh, with uh, Alex uh, Andropoulos and, mm-hmm. and, and just kind of watch how he goes about his work. It's really... It's just cool because there's a very, there's no, I mean, his face is just a blank canvas, got his headphones in Mm -hmm. or his earphones in, but he throws the football, he throws a bit, but just watch how he throws it. It's, um, it's just cool. He's just watching a guy pick up a ball and toss it, but the ball goes hard. First of all, the ball goes hard. And it, I noticed that I think it was his last start at home. Was it against the Orioles? His last start at it home. Was. And back to back I, I noticed that, as I said, he was whoever the Orioles pitcher was. They're warming up in right field, and Manoa's going so far into right field that they adjusted where they were throwing. But I also noticed some of the Orioles pitchers and and their pitching coach Chris Holt. They came out and they actually watched Manoa like they were in their bullpen watching Manoa warm up. And I mean, this the dude from. Between second and first, middle of the outfield, is throwing the ball without, like, winding up and really putting a lot of effort in. He's throwing it in one hop to, to drop. Mm-hmm. Like, one hop right in front of him. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's interesting watching a guy go about that. And, and routines are, are something routine. else. That every, every, every baseball player has something different they do. It's, yeah. it's what, you know, even it's simple as do you wear a jacket when you warm up. Just little tiny things that you know, had worked in the past, and now you're doing that, plus you're adding to it. You know, you mentioned Marcus the Stroman. Marcus Stroman was another guy whose routine was really, it was fun to watch. Sure. Like, it was very deliberate, mm-hmm. but you can tell 
just hearing Jim talk about finding that natural Great. arm slot. It's awesome. Yeah, just the, the what it what it means to them to have an actual routine, something they do every single day. And you talk to the really good pitchers about, well, if they get a day off, what do they do? They feel lost. And like Manoa is always yeah. I don't know if you've seen him in the field. He's always got a football. Uh, or, sure. He's always got a sure. football with him when he goes out to the yeah. field. And a lot of that I think and I was aware of that story, Tom House, who was one of the first kind of pitching gurus. Uh I I didn't know about about uh, Drew Brees. I knew Tom Brady sure. went to him because Tom Brady had was a baseball player. But Tom Howes' thing was that the 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 motion involved in throwing the perfect spiral. What do you think about it too? What do you think about it too? The seams on a baseball, the seams on a football. The to get it to the spin the way you want to spin a football, it has to come off the fingers. When you're yeah. throwing a two seamer, it has to come off the seams of the baseball. So you can actually fe- get that feel of how those come off your fingers and. I just think that's kind of cool that you you can actually find a routine that works for you. You have confidence in it, and it's part of who you are. Yeah. By the way, and you've never done anything in your life until you've accidentally stuck your hand up uh, and had a uh, had a professional quarterback throw balls. I was covering the Winnipeg mm-hmm. Blue Bombers sometimes. They had this guy Nicky Hall who was a backup quarterback, and it was. I was interviewing somebody and he was throwing the ball and the ball was coming towards us. And I just kind of put my hand up Mm -hmm. to knock the ball away and it damn near tore the skin off. Oh, (laughs) it really did. Cause it was just so spiral. It was a spiral. It was Mm -hmm. so hard. And when you're kind of not used to it, it's, uh, it's something else. Um, we've got our regular feature in the East and we've also got Barker's back leg bits. DMS are still open. There's time to get uh, your questions in for Kevin Barker. We do have a few, but we can still take more. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. More Leafs, more Raptors, more Blue Jays. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Jays baseball tonight. There will be baseball Boo. tomorrow. Boo. How dare they have a day off? Boo. How dare they have a day off? Yes, exactly. Wonder if George Springer plays Tuesday. First of three games against the uh, Boston Red Sox in Boston. Just wonder. I, I, I can't even cross my fingers, but you can't cross Jays your fingers barely. If you're well, a Jays hold fan, it, hold it. How come you can't cross your fingers? I don't know. Because I don't. I think you got to. You know, you practice a little, and I don't have just an odd movement. I have to actually do it. I mean, I can see I did it, but I have to actually, like, I just can't. Really? Oh, it's hard. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anybody who can't cross their fingers. How many, how many people do you actually ask about crossing Everybody can do it. Look at that. Oh, look, at Lance, ooh, Lance's, look, look at their guys. Uh, look at this. Can you do this? Can you cross, <laughs> can you cross like your pinky and your middle finger and the other two fingers? No. Wow. Why would I want to? I don't know. I just. I mean, I thought because you would be supple being a Good professional athlete, you would be supple. Mm. We've learned words today. Amiable. I love, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love Aaron yeah. Judge's reaction yeah, to that. Honest. I don't even know what that I don't is. Know what that means. I don't know what that is. I'm Aaron Judge. And I'm going to be making $60 million what, what a year. I, like, I don't need to know what about What I like amiable. about that is he actually said, I'm not answering it. Explain it. 
before I stick my foot in my mouth. That's how you do it. Oh, that York. is good. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, it is good. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing. Nope. Speaking of the Yankees, you know what time it is. Oh, in the East. I believe somebody got paid for saying You could do it. No, I couldn't. It'd take me a long time to get three words out. I could never say anything in three words in the East. I'd end up going in the American League East, the division of the Blue Jays playing with the New York Yankees anyhow. Uh, it might just be me. It probably is me. It it's is always you. me. But it sure seemed that the uh, Blue Jays laid down a bit of a marker in the Bronx, right? This weekend. Did you think? I mean, a sweep would have been nice, but three or four from the Yankees. Turning Yankee Stadium into, I mean, talking to the, and, and listening to, to Tabby and, and Dan talking about telecast, just the grumbling and the murmuring and the Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks. Dude, get a change of scenery. Anyhow, with all that stuff, getting the type, and the Jays getting the type of starting pitching you need in the postseason, I mean, I'd honestly say it was mission accomplished. And, I mean, you know, never mind that, just, sending Aaron Boone over the edge in his post-game session on Saturday after that loss. I mean, you really got the sense that Boone had been... Listen to this. You get the sense he'd been wanting to say this and react like this for a couple of weeks. And it was just his chance to let it all out. This was Aaron Boone on Saturday. We got to play better. Period. We and the, and the great thing is, it's right in front of us. It's right here. And we can fix it. It's right here. It's there, and we can we can run away with this thing. And we got the dudes in there to do it. We got to do it, you know? We, we, if we don't score, tough to win. And I'll answer these same questions. Am I perplexed? What's good? Yeah, I am. We got to do better. And, you know, the good thing is 1985, I'm not sure how that season ended for the Yankees. Uh, probably second or third place. Um, the good thing is we are in first place, and we we got we got the pen. Reggie tells me all the time we got the pen. We get to write the script the rest of the way. No one, no one else can get in our way if we go play our game, and that's what we got to do. But we got to you know, got to stop talking about it. You know, we got to go do it. That kind of reminds me. That's like Aaron Boone's Dennis Green moment. They are who we think they are, or they sure. were who we think they are. That's exactly what reminds me. My nine-year-old son does that when I don't want to buy him a Lego set. He gets all mad at me and says, "You should buy me a Lego set." And he stomps and beats the table. That was legit. That was legit emotion. I guess. Though. I guess. I mean, it's it's a bit much. Like your team, oh. teams go through it. They go through things where. You know, you still got a what was it? He had an eight or nine game lead. What did Jim Cot say? Every day is Armageddon in nice. New York. Uh, there you go. <laughs> It is indeed. Mm. Uh, by the way, the Yankees, we should remind people, <clears throat> they still lead the East by eight games over the Jays and Rays, even though it, it feels like it's about four games. And if you think that's bad, they got two games against the Mets, <clears throat> and then they Ooh. go on to Oakland. If they crap the bet against the Mets, Scherzer oh and my DeGrom. God. DeGrom, may, they may uh. skip him, but if you get those two guys, oof, oof. Uh, still, you know, let's face it. I mean, it's all fun and games in New York, but uh, it's really all about the wild card for the Jays and the Rays, and you can include the Orioles in there. And heading into this week, there's that three-way tie between the Jays, the Rays, the Mariners. And the Mariners have played, I think, two more games, though. The Orioles are still in. They're about two and a half out of the wild card along with the the Twins. 
Baltimore beat the Red Sox 5-3 on Sunday in the Little League Classic, and they're going to have a big say in setting up the wild card race. They've got an in- interesting week ahead of them. they got the White Sox, the Astros, and the Guardians <laughs> to stay hot. So not only will they have a say in the American League East, but they'll also have a chance to have a say in what goes on in the Central. I'm I'm with the mayor, Sean Casey. I, I thought about this. I think the Guardians are going to win that thing. I think the Guardians are going to win the Central. I, I think they're a tough out. I think they have enough starting pitching with Bieber got, at the helm to, and they got to no do what pressure they need to do. And that closer they got is about shut down as you get. And they got a really good manager. So, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I and they've got – they're the Guardians. They've got no pressure on them. Uh, the Red Sox are going to open a three-game series against the Blue Jays on Tuesday. We talked about that at Fenway Park. No Nathan Uvalde. He's been pushed back. Uh, for his second start with a trapezoid injury. Eric Hosmer is questionable. He missed the Little League game with a lower back pain. As for the Rays, well, it's odd. They've kind of stabilized very quietly. They've won seven of nine. They've won three series in a row for, I believe, the second time this year. Got some bad news this weekend. Wander Franco's hand injury. The rehab's been put in hold. And, Kevin, we talked about that. That hammy phone, man, is is a... It is just... It's the one injury that just takes so long to heal, and it's just so frustrating. I've talked to guys who have had that. I always talk about Eric Kinski. Guys have had that injury. Mm-hmm. Golfers. Golfers will actually, I didn't realize this, golfers will actually have the hamate removed. Professional PGA golfers sure. will have the hamate removed, you know, in an off-season surgery so they don't have to deal with it. It's just, it's a, it, it's if you're a, fr- If you're a fan ass. of his, it's a big deal. But I don't, I'm not sure the Rays need him. Well... I mean, they did get Manuel Margot back. They got Harold Ramirez back. Can you remember Harold Ramirez? Mm-hmm. Does anybody here remember Harold Ramirez? He's the guy the Jays got, along with Francisco Liriano and Reese McGuire in 2016 for Drew Hutchison. He played, I think, a little more than two years in the Jays minor league system. Then he started bouncing around. He's batting 337. He has an OPS of plus of 147 for the Rays. He went three for four Sunday. He's nine for 21 in five games since returning from the disabled list. And yes, Franco's injury is going to hurt the Rays, but Ramirez and Margot, they've, uh, their return has put some wind in their sails, as, as Ryan Yarbrough noted yesterday. As a pitcher, do you feel like it might be aggravating to face Harold Ramirez right now, the way that he tends to get a bat on everything? It's it's impressive, man. He's I'm, I'm glad he's on our team. I'll just say that. But he's he's on a tear right now, and we're 100% glad he's back, man. He he brings so much to the table, and uh, especially his attitude and uh, every, the vibes he gives off in the clubhouse. But obviously, especially what he does on the field. Yeah, you know, the Rays have four games against the Angels this week before heading to Fenway Park. Harold Ramirez is. We, we saw signs of this with the Marlins a little bit. Uh, he's, that's the story of the Rays, though, right? It, it, Every year they seem to have a Harold Ramirez. It is, but they do have an approach offensively that's odd where they try and hit a bunch of home runs. It's not they're going to try and put balls in play. They want to outpitch you, which in August they have a 2.8. They don't ERA. act like a little engine that... Like could do they? No, well, not on the they don't. not on the pitching side of the ball. They don't because of how well they pitch. And now that they got Fairbanks back doing his thing late in the game, that offense just. You mentioned Ramirez. He's sort of a use the entire field, let the ball travel, uh, put barrel to ball. Not so much trying to go back Lake City mm-hmm. all the time like the, like his teammates. Margot is sort of a table setter. They're frisky. You know, they're not going to always outscore you, but they're going to outpitch you. That's how they're in the wild card is they're pitching. They have more depth, for me anyway, than most teams in baseball. And they're a thorn. I hate to say this because you love that team. But, man, I just 
when you have that much pitching that can match up against any other team's offense, yeah, you, they're tough to beat. And you you look up, you know, like Ryan Yarbrough yesterday, all of a sudden the dude's given up like like three earned runs in 21 and a third innings or five earned runs in 21 and a third innings, and he's striking guys out. And it's just, yeah, they always it, – it, it seems as if when they need when they need something to happen, they get they get – they get something to happen. That's listen. It's going to be. I, I don't. I don't know right now. I, in, any of those three teams, Rays, Mariners, and Jays, could could get that home that home wild card. I still, I still kind of think the Mariners. Still kind of think the Mariners are going to be the team that'll snatch that that final wild card, or not the final wild card, but get that home wild card game. Maybe you know. Again, uh, the pitching that the Rays have is is going to be tough. Uh, the Mariners have had, we know, the big-time starter. Uh, their lineup's relentless. They have guys in their lineup that can hit good pitching. Uh, the Blue Jays, if Barrios, that is key for me. If Barrios can turn the corner, I'm not saying give you what he gave you last time, but just don't implode and just blow up where they have to use guys out of their pen that they that they don't want to use. If you can give me six no innings question. every night. No question. Every time he pitches, then, you know, offensively, now nah, I know the Yankees couldn't pitch to the Blue Jays' weakness, which is that middle of the way. Maybe the approach is they don't, they didn't want to because of that short porch and right. So that may be a little weakness for the Blue Jays down the stretch here. But I think you can pick any three of those teams. I do think the wild card, the three teams that are in it, are for me the three teams that should be in it. I will say that. Yes. I think the yes. Twins on the outside looking in. Uh, the Orioles, look, I, I think the schedule may be catching up to them. Just, you know, the, the lack of Really good players this time of the year. That's sort of when this is sort of catching up. But again, this is why they wanted to add the extra playoff spots is to give teams that maybe didn't have a chance of being in it. Now, if you're the fan base of these teams, at least you're tuning in and excited about watching them play, which is a big deal. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm with you. I my sense is that the Central will have one team go to the playoffs and that is whichever team wins the division mm-hmm. I do I do believe I do think it'll be the Guardians and yeah I think Mariners Rays and Jays will uh the Twinkies got the load management thing working with their best players which is that's very it's hard. hard you know it's the George Springer saga yeah. all over again and how do you keep them in the lineup and and you know it's sort of that one player and everybody else at least the, the Blue Jays everybody else is really good and can pick up the slack so that's why I got the Twins on the outside looking at it. All right, let's move on to Barker's Back Leg Pits. It is that time of the show where we ask uh, you, the listener or viewer, to send questions for Kevin. DMs are open. My Twitter handle is SNJeffBlair. Patrick Rutledge saying, <laughs> telling the story about trying to catch a pass from Matt Dunnigan in a pregame warm-up. I made the catch. It felt like I just caught a Ferrari doing 180 on the freeway. That's, a <laughs> That's pretty awesome. much a, that. That that explains what it's like to mm-hmm. sort of, yeah. I'll just catch the ball because you know I I could catch the ball when playing the boys playing beer league football, flag football. It's going to feel the same. Piece mm-hmm. of advice: mm-hmm. always no. use two hands. Oh yeah, <laughs> never try. Never try to uh, do it with one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Gardner. Oh, this is straight to the point. What would you or Kevin do about Bo? I, this it's this time of the year where I just think you leave him in a spot, play him every single day. He gives you what he gives you. I'm with you. I, I, I I've come, I've come around to your, your philosophy that this, this the, is, it's, it's an off year. The question will be though, if he can make adjustments in the off season, what are they? 
That is the question. I think I don't want to say it's the million-dollar question, but can he control the aggression? I'm not sure he can. Or is this just a bow we get used to seeing? Up and down, up and down. Like one, like the month he got called up or the month and a half that he first got called up, he was hammering everything. You know, here it is. I'm hammering it line to line. I'm doing everything. I got my two-strike approach. You know, it's rare now you see his two-strike approach. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what will you see? Can he adjust? Is it mechanics? If he adjusts mechanics, will his eyes move less? The ball moves less, meaning he can lay off the pitches that he doesn't want to swing at, that he don't think now, at least I do believe, that he can take a step away after the season's over and go probably this trying to get barrel to everything area code wise is probably not going to work. And I can adjust and maybe that will trigger something that he can go home and fix and, and come back and be a new bow. I'm going to say the same thing about Bo that I've been saying about Jose Barrios all season long. I just, I trust the athlete and I don't know if this, I, I kind of think this is going to be Bo for the rest of the year. And maybe your hope is that he goes on a, he has two weeks where he's hot and, and that happens in September. Mm-hmm. You ask the question all the time. Can the Jays, everything else being the way it is right now, can the Jays win a championship? You used to ask this question with Bo Bichette at shortstop playing defense. I mean, I think the answer is yes. Can they win with Bo doing what he's doing right now at the plate? If all this other stuff is happening, if Vladdy continues to go on a roll, if George Springer's playing, then I think then I think they can. I think they can. But I've I've decided to adopt the Barker approach here on it. I I think it's an off I, year for I, I think it's an off year for the I guy know. and and you get what you guy, get from him. I know that a guy started in the two hole is hitting sixth or seventh now. You want to get paid like a big boy? Big boys don't get paid hitting seventh. Yeah. They just don't. I'm sorry. I do. You can spin nah, it. You can spin it any way you want to spin it. Throw your hands in the air. Say I'm getting screwed. Not getting paid where I want to get paid. Right in front of you now. Matthew Beardsley talking about our interview with Jim Cott. Uh, we hear a lot lately about arm strength for young players. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to develop a strong throwing arm? Thanks, watching Throw for a lot. DEI. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that's a lost. I think it's right in front of you. It's the obvious thing. It's the, you know, the the Blue Jays fans that always are seeing what's going on in the dugout between innings and the flipping of the, yeah, that's not really how baseball's off the field is made up. I mean, it's nice to see that what you're trying to do off the field may be translating on the field. For me, if I were trying to do all that, I would spin my head off my body. I would be useless to what I'm trying to do. So I just think, the easiest thing is to throw a lot and throw long distances. You know, long toss is a thing. You just mentioned it with Alec, how people got to get out the way when he's loosening up. Why do you think he does that? To stretch his arm out to so when, if I can throw that hard at that distance, just think how much harder and consistent and how long in the game I can do it at that short of a distance. If I can't do it that long, what makes me think I can do it at that short of a distance? That's why they do it. It strengthens your arm. It gives you that slot that Jim was talking about over Mm -hmm. and over and over again so you can feel it. So now that once you get it, you can feel it, you can repeat it and know that if I get it here and I'm feeling it, I know that it's coming out the way it's supposed to come out. A little long-winded, just throw a lot. Don't overthink it. Throw a lot, throw long distances, and that should do 
what you want to do as a thrower, defender, pitcher. Chris Churchill asks, do you agree with Lourdes leading off when Springer isn't in the lineup? And uh, thanks for the kind words, Chris. Uh, I, yeah, I like I like Lourdes leading off when Springer's uh, here, in the I'll lineup. say this. If it's not him, who would it be? Not a chance with Chapman. No chance. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even – I know why. That's a khaki sitting around going, This he sees seven – he has seven pitch outs. Let's throw him up there, and hopefully the guy standing on the on-deck circle can tell if it's a breaking ball. It's too late in the season. Most of these teams know everybody well enough now. Mm-hmm. I think it's about performing. You want your best hitters getting the most at-bats. If it's anybody else, for me anyway, and this guy's playing, it's Tapia. I think Tapia's hard to pitch to because he's very aggressive. Uh, you have to make plays. He is the aggressive. He does run hard. He plays hard. Oh, he's, You're going to have to get him out. Yeah. So if it's anybody other than Lourdes, I like Toppy. Yeah, I, that was exactly my – I mean, I know they've they've had Merrifield in there. I, Tapia, Merrifield's having a down year. Yeah, Tapia against Tapia against a certain right-hander, I, I, I like for all the reasons you said. I like you said right-hander. He, I left that out. He um, – he gets to pitches. Like I, I'm not always comfortable saying that a guy's a good bad ball hitter because uh, it's just I, I don't know how you how you define a bad ball hitter. But he does seem, you know, at least to my mind, he does seem to have the ability to 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 make contact with some just atrocious pitches when he wants to. And the other thing he does is he does create chaos. He he, does. he creates chaos when he's on the base. He pads. makes you make the play. I, what I what I had noticed anyway is the two strike approach that he has. If I'm a pitcher and I'm thinking, okay, this guy can get barrel to parts that are not in the strike zone, how do you throw him? Yeah. So that's what he has. I'm not saying he's always going to get a hit, but he is a tougher out. So that would be the guy. Uh, with Merriweather, this is from Adam Rock. With Merriweather and Mesa coming back. And Merriweather was taken out. Somebody said to me he was taken out of the game Sunday, I guess, in the seventh inning. A lot inning. of love for that guy, boy. Yeah, well, with Merriweather and Mesa coming back, which pitchers will be coming off the roster? Will Richards be cut? Will Pop be optioned? I can't see Zach Pop being being optioned, given the role that he seems to have picked up in this bullpen. Look, I first of all... Um, who was the other guy you said? Um, Mesa. Mesa will be coming back at some point. Mesa and Merriweather. Do you have I, any idea what Mesa is going to give you? So I, I would think that's going to be a long time coming. They're going to go real slow with that. And Julian Merriweather. Remember, September call-ups are coming. You, can add, you can't add two pitches because you can only have 14 on the roster, but yeah. you can't split them. Or two position players. Yeah, you can go two position players, so one and one. My I guess would, is they get one of those guys on the roster before it, it expands. There it is. And then you put the other guy on and you don't, you don't lose anybody. And, and I mean, I, I, as I said, I don't know what you do right now because this, this bullpen is – it's kind of it's kind of fallen into place, you know. That you say Kikuchi, I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you do, but I also know that I, I think, I think with Julian Merriweather, you essentially take what Julian Merriweather is going to give you. I don't think he figures in your long term plans. We know what he is. We know that he has a difficult time staying healthy. Uh, but yeah, I can't. Uh, What's the person's name that know. sent that in? Adam Rock. Adam, I, I agree with Adam a little bit. I, I would think the obvious guy, Zach Pop, seems to throw hard with late movement. You know, you don't want to always live eighth and ninth inning, but he can give you some power to a middle of the order sixth and seventh inning. So you like that. The Trevor Richards thing is a... The thing with Pop, though, Pop does have options. If you're only doing it for 
What are I mean, we? What is the twenty second? What are we today? I mean, if you're only gonna, if you're gonna twenty second, yeah, the twenty second. I mean, if you have to make a call and you're gonna, you're just gonna be sending the guy down for, for for ten days or so. I don't know, but I, yeah, I like Zach Pop now. I, I, I want to leave him up here. I just that's no, you got to be careful that stuff, when you use him. I think that stuff plays in the right, the right situation. That stuff plays. You say Kikuchi, I would assume because of what they're paying him, he's the long relief guy. He's going to give you more than two. Now he uh, he did he did offer to go down to AAA, and I wonder if maybe you don't go to Yusei Kikuchi and say, "Look, we need the roster spot right now. We'll send you down to That's AAA a for a week." You're doing that, a lot to save Trevor Trevor Richards. You, you are. You're, you're doing that, a lot. That, I mean, it's go. Is he your best? One of your best? Yes or no? Yes or no? No. Yes. Then you've answered your question. No. Matty J wants to know: Is it time to have Danny Jansen catch Manoa? Um, no, I don't think so. Why? Uh, why? I, I think uh, watching him leak everything inside. That's got nothing to, to do with righties the catcher. and miss a lot outside That's with fastball. That's got nothing to do with the catcher. Yeah. That's a giant human who's trying to figure out ways to keep it connected. That's what they say. That's why he's simplified. That does, that's why he doesn't have a wind-up. Uh, that's why he's moved a little on the rubber. Uh, it's... I mean, this is a little, it's not a work in progress because of how good he's doing, but it is a refining of mechanics of how do I keep it on in there and be competitive consistently with a couple of different pitches. And he wants it moving into the righty and away to a righty with two different pitches and mechanically for a giant human. So it's got nothing to do with the catcher. I, I know everybody seems to think that a lot of the times that's, you know, Danny Jansen's the savior, which I do. I think he was with Yusei Kikuchi. He was going to get the best out of him. But Alec Manoa seems comfortable and on the same page, and it's more of a mental thing with him and Kirky than it is. If you walk up and Alec and ask him, it ain't Kirky's fault that he's non-competitive with the two-samer. How's that? Yeah, I... Kirky ain't Listen, throwing I, there, the baseball. Alec is no. A couple of things here. You need. You need. We've already talked about this. You need Alejandro Kirk's bat in the lineup right now, and Alec Manoa. Whatever. I don't. I'm a big believer that you don't create issues, and Alec Manoa being caught by Alejandro Kirk isn't an issue for me. And so. I will say. I will say this too. Since since uh, Joe Siddle broke down Danny Jansen at the plate and receiving, and how he, he's he's. Not great, hasn't been great at it this year. And this time of the year when dudes are getting tired and mechanics is not always perfect and you want to steal. I hate saying that word, steal. That's basically turning around going, hey, you didn't see that, did you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call that like, it seems like right now, Kirky's better at it. Yeah. So, yeah, that doesn't mean the way it's necessarily going to be down the stretch. But no. I, I, I don't think that that's uh, – I mean, I've thought about different issues with this team. I don't necessarily think that that is uh, – And when George Springer's in the lineup, Kirky's got to play, he's got to catch. Yeah. Yeah, that that is the – I see, I think it's good that we're ha- that we're having this debate because that, no to question. me, says that Alejandro Kirk is, be, is, is no hitting. No question. No and, question. You know, if Alejandro Kirk is going to do what he did to that pitch Garrett Cole threw him, that that's good. You want to have that decision. You want it to be tough. I'd, I'd hate to be in a situation where neither of those guys were hitting and you're deciding on, on the catching, but yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. I, I just think you don't, uh, I think you just kind of, if, if something's sort of working, you stick with don't it. Don't overthink. And right now, right How's now that? it's, it's sort of working. Exactly. 
Uh, Aubrey, Audrey Barnes. Now, this is great. Now, this, I, it's an interesting question only because, and I've had other people talk about this. She's not worried about the dugout, the home run jacket, but she is wondering about, and the reason I'm asking this, Kevin, is because you play the game. Guys who are buddy-buddy with players from opposing teams during the game mm-hmm. see a lot of chatter going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially Laddie at first base talks to everybody. And, you know, I don't, I've never minded that just because guys are human beings. And yeah, I'm not sure why fans are, are upset about that. He's, he's being friendly. He's talking to dude that he's probably, he not, probably knows. He's supposed probably to ignore him. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff goes on during the game. You it's know, not like he's giving away signs or signals no. or he's throwing this and this count and we're going to do this. Oh, whole, we're, we're picking over. Like, there's a whole, hell of a, lot. There's a whole hell of a lot of standing around that goes on in baseball. And after a while, you do want to talk to somebody beside the umpire. And the thing sure. you got to remember is a lot of these guys, I mean, they do know each other. They may have same agents a lot, especially a lot of the, you know, mm. a lot of the Latino dudes, they've known each other for no years question. coming up. There's, there's a lot of uh, bonds of friendship there. And, you know, the mm-hmm. thing before the game, it, I, I don't know if anybody told you this, but, Kevin, I mean, guys talk about before the game, you go up, you tap the visiting, or you tap the other team's catcher on the the pad, how you doing, blah, 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 tap them in Such the... Such a long season. I mean, if you, if you want to sit and pick at every little single thing, yeah. you drive yourself nuts. Yeah. I mean, they're out there having fun. Vladdy's performing. Yeah. I... Yeah, I, I don't have any... I, I, I admit it's still odd... I'm not a big fan of seeing guys hang around with the other team for an hour during batting practice and, and talk. That kind of bothers me a bit, but only because it just seems to me to be a, a waste of time more than it's one of these, ooh, you got to put your game face on. I think a, a baseball game face is different than it's a game face in any sport. It's a get it done, yeah. Lee. You're getting it done. It's August 22nd. I don't care who you talk to. It's August 22nd. I like this dude. I like Anthony Rizzo. He's a good dude. Maybe well, I'm going to talk go. to him when he comes to and first occasionally base. You go, hey. Why am I struggling? What are you seeing? And maybe they're friendly enough to yeah. tell you. Yeah. That is it for us. Again, the Blue Jays have tonight off. They open a three-game series in Boston tomorrow against the Red Sox. We'll be back from 10 to noon Eastern tomorrow. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk as well all week long. So thanks so much for listening and watching Blair and Barker. Have yourselves a great day.